Good morning. Good morning and welcome again uh, to everyone online and uh, in person. We're glad you're here today. And wasn't it awesome to see Brooke again? We love Brooke. Uh, she grew up in our church uh, through our youth group and uh, that's so super cool uh, to watch her. Uh, as I watched her play, uh, her, she and my older daughter were great friends, still great friends, uh, but to see her move on her journey toward Jesus to the point where uh, they're serving in a mission field. And John, uh, we're just honored to, uh, to have you guys a part of our church, extended church family, and always enjoy having you come back to share with us here at Journey. I'm glad you're here today, uh, everyone, however you're joining us. And uh, we're in the study we began last week on gender, not a comfortable topic at all, uh, but one that we really need to, to know about and be educated on and kind of know what we believe and how to share with people and, uh, uh, and share with people that are hurting. And I really want us to think of this as compassion, uh, not as judgment uh, today. So I hope that uh, you're, you're thinking of it along that lines as well. But I got to be honest with you and, uh, and tell you, sometimes I have a hard time keeping up uh, with the gender issue. I had a, uh, one of our members yesterday texted me a, a picture that he had taken of a, uh, a jo- uh, I think it was a college uh, questionnaire, and it had these uh, whole list of genders, uh, more lists. You know, it's always hard to figure out which of those race things you're supposed to check because they're a little confusing, but there were more questions about gender on there than there were about race. And it's a little hard to keep up with. I heard uh, a couple of weeks ago that Demi Lovato announced that she was now non-binary. That's confusing to me. First of all, I wasn't sure who Demi Lovato was. It shows my age. I know know she's a singer. I'm pretty sure she doesn't sing country. So I, I wasn't really familiar with who she was. But I went and did my homework. Uh, she's an actress and a singer who started out on Barney and Friends, which I remember that little show uh, years ago, and she became very popular. However, like most child stars uh, do, she struggled in Hollywood, first of all with addiction, sober for several years, falling back into addiction. She's been very honest about this, almost dying from an overdose, suffering three strokes, a heart attack, organ failure, waking up blind, uh, Very, still a young lady, obviously. Uh, a, uh, has a huge social media following, expressed a lot of political views, and in many ways generally seems to do whatever she can to stay in the news. So there's always something going on in the news about it. Uh, she claims to be a Christian, but if you look at the lyrics of her song, most of them do not reflect uh, the kind of values that we know God teaches us. So that's who she is if you don't know who Demi Lovato is, but now the term non-binary, because that's a new term for a lot of us in our world, But non-binary are individuals who experience a gender identity that's neither exclusively man or woman or is in between or beyond both genders. Lovato now wants to be called the pronouns they or them, which pronouns are a big, big part of this today and how someone wants to be referred to. So we're in this series today uh, called Gender, and we're trying to understand gender. We're trying to understand people who struggle with gender And we're also, more importantly, trying to figure out how should Christians think about all of this and how do we extend the love of Christ to people? And last week, we began this series and we we talked about what science means by gender and sex. We talked about what the Bible means by gender and sex and what our culture is currently saying about sex and gender. And we discovered that science and the Bible agree that we are a race of men and women And that what it means to be a male or female is rooted in our biological sex. And what we discovered is that culture is out of step with both the Bible and science, which isn't all that unusual, but is 
it puts uh, uh, people in an odd place, you know, if we can say, well, this is what science says, this is what we believe the Bible says, so how do we reconcile that with what culture seems to be forcing on us? You know, sometimes people who claim to be Christians or who want to justify their actions with the Bible often find a scripture to back up their opinions. And uh, we all do this on certain things. In many cases, we don't really know what we're talking about. But I wanted to share one such scripture with you because I, I've heard people use this to kind of justify some of this confusion and uh, mix up today. It's a scripture in Galatians chapter 3 where Paul says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Now, if you read that and you capture one phrase there, um, you might say, well, there is no such thing as male or female, but that's not really what's being said. Paul's writing here that because of Jesus, all the the barriers have been broken down, that anyone and everyone who wants to come to faith in Christ is free to come, invited to come. But some will take this out of context and say, wow, that phrase, neither male nor female, is some sort of transgender bumper sticker phrase capturing that, no such thing as male or female. That's not true. Uh, that's not what he's saying. The reality is there are people who are Jews and Gentiles. There are people who are slaves. There are people who are free. There are people who are male and female. In fact, the scripture has nothing to do to support transgenderism. Rather, it reinforces the fact that male and females do exist, but all can come to Christ regardless. That's what it's saying is there used to be barriers. Now those barriers to Christ are non-existent. But the new idea in our culture is that gender and sex are separate, like we talked about last week, that sex has to do with our biology, and gender has to do with the psychological and the social and the cultural aspects of being male or female. And we, if you were here, we identified gender roles. We talked about some stereotypes that are okay to be broken, some things that, uh, you know, that people normally think a, a boy might do or a girl might do or a man or a woman, and that many of those are broken because they were stereotypes and maybe not totally accurate. Then we talked about gender identity, which is how a person sees themselves, uh, male, female, both, neither, uh, any number of a variety of, uh, of options there, which has led us to the current focus on transgenderism and the idea that people can actually choose their gender despite their biological sex. And we said that this is in violation both of the Bible and science as well. And yet we're being told, and culture is literally forcing, pressing us to acknowledge this and go along. And of course, it, it, uh, it involves and is impacting politics as well. I hope that you're up on this in some way. Some of these things we like to just bury our head in the sand and wish they would go away or didn't exist, but the reality is they do exist, and these are issues. The so-called Equality Act, which was passed a few months ago by the House and is now being considered, I believe, this month by the Senate, would actually force transgender ideology on everyone. If the Equality Act passes, it will impact literally every facet of our society in a devastating way. So uh, I believe that our local representatives will vote against this. I'm pretty confident that they will, uh, but understand that there is a possibility that this could pass and it will change so many things. And it's also a local issue as well. Uh, I'm sure you know that our governor is refusing to sign a contract with Sunrise Children's Services that the state has held for about 150 years 
that serves about 1,000 children for foster and adoption care because Sunrise is a, is a Christian organization and it will not place children in homosexual or transsexual homes. So it's both national and state level that this is impacting and making a big difference. So, you know, it's, it's a huge thing and it's going to impact probably uh, what churches can do or are, are legally allowed to do and everything else. So this sermon might be illegal uh, if this passes. I don't know uh, for sure. I don't want to scare anybody, but you need to check into that for sure. So what is it all about transgenderism? Well, there's another term that we've, we've mentioned a, a time or two, but it's the term gender dysphoria. And gender dysphoria is a, a term that's used for the distress, the emotional distress mostly, that some people feel when their internal sense of self doesn't match up with their biological sex. And some of this may be because a person doesn't fit into the gender roles that might be expected of them. In other words, a boy may not be mechanically minded or enjoy hunting uh, or being outdoors, and a girl might not enjoy the things that, that we think girls might like, like dresses. Uh, she might love football. She might choose, choose a traditional male career, uh, may not follow those traditional roles. That's okay. You know, we said that's all right. We don't want to, uh, you know, try to buttonhole people. I know sometimes people un- um, innocently, you know, make this worse by saying, well, you don't act much like a boy or you don't act much like a girl. Uh, and that sometimes can be, uh, can be confusing to people. It doesn't mean that they're created the wrong sex. People shouldn't question that, uh, the roles, and because people are very different. You know, we said last week, no one should present themselves as a person of the opposite sex, but gender roles aren't really a problem for the most part. What we focused on last week and and want to talk about today is gender identity, and that's a different thing. So if a person has gender dysphoria, they look in the mirror and they see a man or a woman's body that they don't identify with. They don't connect with that. In the 1980, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders of the American Psychiatric Association called this transsexualism and listed it as a mental disorder to be treated. In 2013, it became an orientation to be accepted, affirmed, and enabled. And if you look at this picture, and you'll hear more about this a little bit later in the message, it is a mental health crisis that's being ignored and in fact made worse because it's not being treated anymore. It's It's an orientation and not viewed as a mental illness, mental health illness. So it is an issue there that it is even smart uh, to not treat it as such. Let me repeat what I said last week because uh, I know that we have people in our church family that this impacts. If you or someone that you know or care for struggles with this, you need to know that that this is not something that everybody's on your back condemning. It's an issue that we just need to recognize and know what God says. Understand that you matter to God. God loves you. He cares about you. He knows your struggle. And you matter to us, and we love you. Again, I want this to be an issue of compassion and not judgment. We have to recognize what the issue is, but, but be able to help people. I know that the feeling of gender dysphoria is real. I know people who experience that, just like a gay person's feelings are real as well. People don't choose to experience these feelings, and we don't help them by condemning them, uh, how they feel about it. But the question is, when it comes to the end, uh, the issue, how are you going to live in light of the orientation? How are you going to live in light of the feelings that you might have? Are you going to live to honor Christ or dishonor Christ by acknowledging his word or ignoring his word? 
You know, probably all of us have areas in our life that we are tempted in and that we struggle in. The world has, I think, kind of pitted us, uh, pitted Christians and people who struggle with this against one another. It should never be that. It should not be a battle and attacking one another. Instead, it ought to be a recognition of this, that every one of us have issues that we struggle with. Every one of us have temptations. And we all have struggles in the sexual realm, more than likely. If you're normal, we struggle with those things. How do we respond to those things? How do we react to them? That's what really matters. You know, the Bible never condemns people who struggle with issues or people who are hurting uh, and struggling with, with any sexual issue, including homosexuality, but homosexual behavior and activity is what the Bible condemns. The Bible doesn't condemn people who might struggle with transgenderism, but it condemns those who choose to live in a denial and opposition to their biological sex. The Bible doesn't condemn people who struggle with lust, but the Bible does condemn the actions and us whenever we give in to lust. So we as a church have to kind of figure this out. We want to love and accept everybody, but we can't affirm and celebrate behavior that's contrary to God's Word and science, Not whether it's in the sexual realm or any other realm. We just can't affirm that. And you know, the Bible tells us that sex is integral to who we really are. That's why sexual sin of any sort is more serious than other sin. Again, in 1 Corinthians 6, those flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies." Notice he says that all sexual sin, not just homosexualism, not just transsexualism, uh, but all sexual sin. And the reality is that we're all broken uh, in some way, sexually or another, and we all need Christ to help us and to heal us. But the question is, how do we respond to that brokenness? Are we going to give our brokenness to Christ, or are we going to try to fix our brokenness ourselves? Are we going to give in to our brokenness, or are we going to seek healing for our brokenness? I believe gender dysphoria is a real psychological condition that causes people to think and act and feel like a different sex, but that doesn't mean that they are a different sex. Satan is really using this to to beat up our culture and beat up individuals, And, and there are moral choices that we have to make to respond to our brokenness. The call of Christ into our life is to get the help that a person might need to manage their gender dysphoria in light of a relationship with Christ, surround themselves with people who will help them live in accordance to their real sex. And you know, I think this is something that historically the church as a whole, not just our church, but the church, maybe hasn't done that well to acknowledge that people struggle with issues like this, to surround them, to love them, to help them, to walk with them on this journey, not judging or condemning, but loving, but guiding them and teaching them what God has to say. The goal for all of us to live in a submissive relationship to how God made us, not in our mind, not in our feelings, but in our biology, because that's, that's what's real. So how should a person respond when they struggle with these tendencies and temptations? Well, obviously not by dressing or acting or transitioning to the opposite sex, but instead by living in acceptance of their biological sex. Transforming would be moving a person, or transitioning, would be moving a person further away from who they truly are 
rather than bringing them closer, just moving them further and farther away, more and more confusion. And it's not the key to solving the emotional struggle, the depression, or even the dysphoria. Studies show that people who medically transition have up to 20 times the risk for mortality, suicidal behavior, and psychiatric issues. And the reason, because this, is, this physical change is not going to, or appearance change is not solving what's inside. It's not addressing the mental health issues and disorders that may be there. Transitioning doesn't solve anything. Rather, it actually just makes the issues worse because they're still there, but now they're complicated even more. The answer is not all of that. It's to come to Christ and to Christian community to seek help and accept the sexed body that God's given you as part of your identity. We don't find our identity in sex. People pursue that, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual sex, people pursue that, but you don't find your identity in that. We find our identity in Christ. That's the key. And so we have to key in on that. We, we, we focus on that. He calls us to leave everything and, and everything, all the temptations, and simply follow after him. And so that's going to be the solution for this kind of struggle that people have. Now, dealing with this issue is important, obviously. For some people, it becomes everything. It becomes their entire life, their entire focus. And people who have dealt with it in a godly way can help people who, who struggle with it to a healthier place than they're currently in. But I'll tell you that laws like the Equality Act are going to severely hurt our society in many ways. The fact that there are men who live and dress like women, honestly, is a threat to the safety of women and children. I'm not saying everybody is that struggles with that, but, but any man who wants to... Uh, being a vulnerable population can pursue this, this sort of uh, uh, appearance. Women have fought and gotten uh, the right to have uh, female-only spaces like bathroom and locker rooms, and they've gained certain laws to protect them from discrimination in the workplace, and those are being threatened, obviously, by men who would walk into those places. Colleges and other organizations that receive federal support are being forced to, now to allow students to live in dorms that are based on their gender identity, not their biological sex. Transgenderism is a threat to many of our societal norms, the separation of men and women. It's pretty obvious when, when, there's, when all that's blended together. Not to mention uh, the destruction of women's sports by the domination of trans men who are obviously stronger and, and built bigger uh, than, as a whole than women are. You know, I've been reading that in Canadian prisons, and they're unfortunately further along than we are, Prisoners can decide what sex they are, and then they are put in the respective prisons. That there are individuals who are put in jail for rape and sexual violence who are then put in women's prisons. I mean, it's kind of insane when you think about it, but when you destroy the order that God has established, it causes all kind of chaos. Now, how do we deal with that as Christians? Obviously, we're called to love the world. But love is just not blind affirmation of every inclination of the human heart. You know, that's not how we love people. We don't, we don't tell our kids, you know, we love our kids, so we're going to let you do whatever you want to do. We say, no, that, there are rules and there are, there's truth that you have to follow. Because something feels good or right doesn't mean it is right. And the best way to love someone is to tell them the truth. And so we have to know God's Word, and we have to stand on God's Word, and that's the standard, the guidelines for all of our acceptance and affirmation. If you look at this issue, it has changed down through time. 
You know, it once was considered to be a mental health issue, now it's an orientation. So that truth no longer is truth because it's world's truth. God's truth never changes. We can stand on that and never have to question if it's truth or not. It never changes. You know, I wanted to preach this series because this is such a big issue right now. And because we need understanding and we need answers and we need to be able to discuss this reasonably with people. This is a conversation in our culture and we have to be able to talk about this. A lot of the decisions that are being made right now are going to impact the lives of people long down the road, especially young people. This is impacting our young people in a huge way. And next week, I'm going to wrap this series up. We're going to stop talking about it. We're going to talk about gender and parenting. And I think it's a huge thing that every parent needs to kind of know how to address this with their children, how to uh, have the early conversations with them because they're going to see things and hear things they need to know about. And we need to be the ones to introduce them to that. But, um, but along that line, I wanted to show you this video of a former transgender man. And he's going to tell a little bit of his life story real quick. Uh, but it is a, it's a powerful statement of how God can move in a person's life. So let's watch this real quick. Hi, I'm Walt Heyer. I started my transgender journey when I was four years old. I was being cross-dressed by my grandmother, and as a result of that, I struggled with my identity all the way through my life, and I eventually underwent gender reassignment surgery, lived eight years as Laura Jensen, until I found the Lord Jesus Christ, who redeemed and restored my life. I started sexchangeregret.com because I really wanted to find out if I was the only one that had regret. We had 350,000 people come to the website in 12 months. And I knew then that this was huge. Most of the people, regret doesn't occur until five to 15 years after. So we're looking at the people's lives early on, two and three and four years after they had the surgery and report success. But we don't talk about these individuals 20 years later that wants to commit suicide there'd probably be many more of them coming out like I am, except they've committed suicide. They died. The Lord wants the transgender community in the church. The Lord wants them to hear the truth, that something happened to them that was horrible. But the only way to really escape pain in your life is turn it over to Jesus Christ so that the pain goes away. You know, it's never too late to be redeemed and restored by Jesus Christ. It's an amazing story, and um, you know, Walt tells, if you go on that site, obviously you can see much more about his life, and he looks back with regret at all the damage he did to his body and his family and his life by his decisions. Now, this is no dumb guy. In fact, he's a, he's a brilliant man. He worked on the Apollo space mission. He worked for Toyota when they developed the Acura line of vehicles, and part of the reason that he detransitioned is that he started studying the psychology of addictions at UC Santa Cruz and discovered that people who identify as transgender suffer from a variety of comorbid disorders, they call it, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, dysmorphic disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and other disorders that doctors never even search for. 75% of patients who struggle with gender identity are clinically diagnosed with a psychiatric illness personality disorder, or mood disassociative disorder. Instead of getting them the help that they need, though, their mental health is ignored, and they are led to make drastic decisions that don't solve the problem. 
Walt's issue was a multiple personality disorder that he developed as a young child because of his grandmother's actions that he mentioned. He has in his possession a letter from the doctor who did his surgery apologizing for doing that, not pursuing to find out what, what the causes were and never finding this disorder for him. So after his detransition, Walt met a woman who didn't care about the changes that he had made in his body, and together they worked to help those who have uh, made similar mistakes, and they're searching for hope. And uh, like you said, that's sexchangeregret.com. See, it's such a huge thing that's happening, and that's why I wanted to talk next week just about parenting through all of this, because, you know, we have this compassion for our children. We want them to be, you know, to be cared for, to be happy, and, and this issue is not going to be happy in the, uh, going to be good for him in the long run. So he, he did a bunch of study, but Walt freely acknowledged that the only way his life was salvaged, was truly salvaged, was by meeting Jesus Christ, by surrendering his will to Christ, and by finding his true identity in Christ. And that's why it's so important that we as Christians are informed and sensitive to those who struggle with transgenderism. Imagine what the world will be like in this realm in 10 years or 15 years. Imagine what will, what will, be happen, what will happen because there are so many people who are being deceived today. Many, of, many people who have, uh, have made this decision have been hurt and, and have been rejected in life. As you saw that long list of things and reasons why people might, might go this direction. Many of them are searching for affirmation and, uh, and, and their identity. And they find it in the LGBT community. But the problem is they still struggle with the same issues because the, the, the core issues weren't addressed and because they didn't find themselves in Jesus. And what's happening is our culture is lying to people. It tells them that you can change your sex, but at the end of the day, they look at themselves in the mirror and they realize that, that looking and acting like something or someone is not the same as being that. And they see themselves, you know, it's just still a man in makeup and a dress and it's it's not fulfilling. It's not what they were going for. In fact, their transition oftentimes make things more, uh, creates more rejection. Uh, we talked about the, dam the damage and uh, the problem of suicide. But in one study, 57% have family who refuse to speak to them. 50% have experienced harassment at work or, or, or school. 65% have experienced physical or sexual violence. 69% have experienced homelessness. So it's going to be a huge problem. It is a huge problem. We need to be educated in order to help them, in order to give them hope. And I think that as Christians, we want to help people. We don't know what to do. We don't even know how to think about this sometime. So we need to be educated and understand what people are struggling with. And I think we oftentimes err on the side of truth and fall short on grace. You know, we don't want to leave the impression that we approve of or that what they're doing is acceptable. So sometimes we come across as critical and judgmental, which further alienates those who struggle. They need to be loved and understood like, like all of us do, no matter what our struggle is. And, uh, and there are many more real stories about people who have left the trans life and the gay life because of the love of Christians and the power of the gospel. So much of it is finding themselves and finding people who will su support them and love them. And Christians, we can do that. We can do that. We can love them without affirming their actions. The motivation of a person in transition is to find their true identity. And there's nothing like the gospel to help people do that. And I love what Walt said at the very end of that video. He said, it's never too late to be restored and redeemed by Jesus Christ. That's an amazing statement. 
regardless of where we've gotten off track or what we've done to ourselves or our bodies, we can all be restored and redeemed by Christ, regardless of our personal struggles. We all need Jesus because we find our identity and we find our freedom only in Him. Romans chapter 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. It all depends on where we put our mind and our life. If it's here, in the here and now, in the moment, in the feelings, the emotions we have of the flesh, it's never going to fulfill. But Paul says, put your thoughts and your mind on the things of the Holy Spirit, surrender to Him. Because the only way to find our true identity is in Christ. And we all need to help other, fi- other people find hope and their identity in Christ as well, especially parents with their children. Next week, we're going to look at that issue and uh, hopefully give some encouragement and some guidance about how to, how to talk about this issue, like I said before. But above all, remember above everything else that you matter to God. You matter to God that talking about this and recognizing where this is, if you struggle with this, is not condemning you. It's acknowledging the, the behavior that, that doesn't solve our problem, that leads us farther and farther away from God and, and breaks relationships. You matter to God, you matter to us, you matter to this church, and that you are loved. You are loved, and you need to discover the source of love, Jesus Christ. And you see, Jesus wants to meet you where you are. He wants to begin right where you are, to help you believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, to belong to a, a, an encouraging body of believers that, that will walk with you on the journey, and then also to become the person that God intended for you to be. And that's the journey that all of us have, to begin, believe, belong, and become. And we invite you on that journey, and we'd love to walk with you on that, a journey to health, to wholeness, to salvation, to hope, to eternity. And we want to stand on those things in love and in hope. You know, I, I know that this subject is uncomfortable and difficult. Believe me, it's not that easy to talk about. But, but really, as Christians, we have to address the things that are relevant, that our world deals with, that we are dealing with, that we're hearing, and that people are talking about. And we need to be able to talk about it in a way that shows the love of Christ and compassion and knowledge as well, and, and to help people move on their journey as well. So I I just want to encourage you through this. Next week, we'll wrap this up. Uh, It's hard to talk about things that it sounds like we're against. Uh, After that, we're going to talk about some things that we're for, (laughs) that we're for, because we're for God, we're for people, and we want people to receive uh, the greatest chance they have in, in happiness, not only here, but in eternity as well.